Good morning, everybody. Man, Kara bent down just a minute ago. I looked down, I looked back up, and I was like, dang, she got out of here quick. She's in a hurry, but no, she was just picking her purse up. Uh, I'm excited to be here today. Um, God has been speaking all week. I was telling the band this morning, um, it just as a heads up, you're going to hear from me today. You're going to hear from Leah today. You're going to hear from Bethany today. That's kind of our tradition on Vision Sunday is for all of our ministers to kind of explain what God's been speaking about the year. And 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 so with that in mind, I, I kept trying to shorten my my sermon today, but every time I touched it, it got longer. So we'll see what, um, and, and a while ago during the kids stuff, I, I don't know if you saw me, but I opened it up and added some more stuff. So We'll see what happens. Um, but as I, as I stated last week in our message that was kind of building up to this one, um, God's desire and his plan for us has not changed. And you're going to see that today. Most of the stuff we're going to talk about today is stuff we've already talked about in the past. There's a couple of new little things that God's sprinkling in there. But for the most part, um, it's, it's the same message. But I, I want to just point this out this morning. This is what I added a while ago. Our kids verse for this month is, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. We're going we're gonna to see that play out in the message today and in what God has us for this year. I, I talked about last week that our only priority is to know God. And if you look at that scripture, what's it say to seek first? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. So as we're moving forward into this new year, this is, this is it. This is all we got. We talked about last week about how Jesus' goal was to redeem the world. Remember we watched that great little video and it talks about how when, when Adam and Eve chose to sin, God's realm was separated from ours. And then there's this little overlap that happens in the Old Testament with the temple. And, and, and so you could only go into God's presence if you were in the temple. And then Jesus comes and he is God's presence in the world. And he goes and he starts making these little deposits of the kingdom on earth. And, and I don't know if you put the pieces together. I hope you did. But as his disciples, as his followers, remember Jesus said, all these things I've done, you're going to do these things and even greater things. Our, our goal as a disciple of Christ is to, to bring the kingdom into the world, into the places that we live. Church, it's in knowing him more fully um, that we, without that, we're not going to be able to share what we don't have, right? If I don't have any money, I can't give you money that I don't have. And the same is going to be true of the message of the gospel. If, if we're not living, if it's not in us, we got nothing to give away. Remember that our job as disciples is to bring the kingdom into this world with us as we go out, as we work, as we do all those things. This week I've been praying for you and I'm praying that, that God's going to speak about where we are right now individually, where I am, where you are. God's been working in our body and we've come so far since I've, I've been pastor here. And I'm, I'm super proud of that, not because I've done a good job, but because God's working in you. And that's... My only goal as a pastor is to lead you in such a way that you would allow God to make changes in your life, to make you more like himself. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for all of us. The beauty is, is that we're not even close to being done yet, right? And I call that beauty, a lot of times when you're thinking about not being done, that's not a good thing. But it's beautiful because every day we're discovering more about who God is and who we are and how God wants us to be more united, more connected with one another. Here's what I know. If I were to ask you today, do you want to know more than you do right now about the person of God? You would say yes, right? If I ask anybody in this room, do you want to know more about God? Do you want to be closer to him? You would say yes. And what's really cool about that is, is that answer would be true. And that's significant, right? I absolutely believe that all of us want to know God better than we do right now. The problem is, the hangup is, is our flesh, right? We all have that in us. We're working that out as we're becoming more like Christ. But it's still there and it's working against us every day. Each morning we find ourselves in the midst of this never-ending battle, or so it seems, for, for Christ's likeness, for His righteousness, right? That's why we talked about this morning, seek first what? His kingdom and His righteousness. we got to go looking for that thing because we're not there yet. Our goal is to bring the kingdom, but we're not the kingdom Christ in us is, but we got to give him control of our lives so that we can bring that with us. Church, our world's got so much to offer, and it's so easy to get distracted. So easy to get distracted. And the dilemma that all of us face every day is to decide whether we're going to listen to God or if we're going to go our own way. This week, um, I, I wanted to share a story with you guys 
Um, we didn't do testimony time this morning because I'm worried about our, our time, but if we have time at the end, we'll do that. But I wanted to share this testimony this morning. I had a, a situation pop up at work this week, and I'm going to try to make this as quick as I can. But a lot of you guys know, I've talked about this before, we're building a big truck stop in Grambling. It's about a $7 million project, and we're about $2 million into this construction project. And I don't know if you saw this or not, but Monday, Bucky's announced they're building a Bucky's in Ruston, which is the next exit from where we're building this truck stop, two miles away. And the owner, as soon as that comes out, he calls me and says, stop everything. Don't put another thing in the ground. He's panicking. And if he wasn't, I'd be worried about him, right? Have, raise your hand if you've been to a Bucky's before. Okay, there's not any gas station in the world that compares to a Bucky's, And he knows that. He knows that his market is about to get flipped upside down. So, we have, um, he, he calls, he says, look, we need to get together with me. I'm going to come to your office. He lives their base is out of Monroe. He said, me and my brother, his business partner, are going to come down and we're going to meet with you. And so that morning I get up and I'm spending time with the Lord and I'm praying over the situation. I'm praying for, for this customer because he's not a believer. And so I'm praying that God, one, would give me wisdom and how we can help him and, and us still stay in the positive, right? That's what we're supposed to do as, as business people. And so as I'm praying for him, I get a phone call from, from my counterpart. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. My phone does not ring at 7 o'clock in the morning most of the time. And so it's a big deal. So I answered it. And he said, hey, man, I've been with the Loves guys all day yesterday. And I was telling them about this situation. And they said, does he want to sell it? Junior was like, I, I don't know. So he calls to give me that news, and I'm so excited about it. And then I, I, as, I'm, as I'm praying through this, as I'm thinking through it, God gave me a clear word through Psalm chapter 3, verse 6, and Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. In 3, 6, it says, I will not be afraid of the thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. And in verse 12, it says, For you, Lord, bless the righteous one. You surround him with favor like a shield. Dude, I'm, I'm excited now. we got a potential buyer maybe, and God's speaking that he's going to take care of us. So we go, I go to work, um, and we have our meeting, and so uh, the customer is there and his brother, and they are, are of the Sikh religion. They're from India, um, and, and basically from his own words, it's they kind of believe in karma. Like you put good into the world and good comes back to you, which that's a great thing to think about, but that's not how the world works, but that's my belief. And so we're in this meeting, and this guy knows that I'm a pastor. Like, we've talked about God before. We have a great rapport. God's really blessed that relationship. And so I tell him in the meeting, as we're talking through all the options, I said, look, man, I was praying for you this morning. And he's like, well, thank you. And I was like, well, but God spoke to me about this situation. Can I share that with you? He's like, well, yes, of course. So I pulled my phone out, and I read those two verses to him. And he picks up his notepad, and he starts writing stuff down. Now, I don't know where this is going, but I can tell you from that moment forward, we met again the next day. The dynamic in our relationship was different, like in the best way possible. Not because I did anything spectacular, other than I did what God's told us to do, which is pray for the people in our lives and then share with them the things that God said. Now, was I nervous in the middle of this business meeting to say, hey, God spoke this to me for you today? Yes, absolutely. Was my boss in the room? Yes, he was. Was another person that manages part of the business in the office? Yes, they were. And all of them got to see God's activity because I was obedient to say something. Now, Will's not the hero of this story. We're going to get to that in a minute. All of us have had similar situations in our lives where God has spoken something to us and given us a directive. And we've had opportunities to share that. That's not new for us, right? The difficulty that all of us face is staying the course and following God's guidance all the way to the end. I'm in the middle of this story right now, and I don't know where the end is going to be, and we're going to talk about that more in a minute. But here's what I want us to understand, that our goal for this year, for 2023, is to know God and to make him known, right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's, that's all, that's, if you're going to focus on anything this year, that's it. Start right there. So how do we stay the course? How do we go through an entire year plugged into God's activity? This is the million-dollar question, right? Because all of us, raise your hand if you've ever done like the I'm going to read the whole Bible in a year thing, and by this time in January, you've already flunked out. Yeah, mm -hmm, all of us, okay, most of us. So how do we go about this? If knowing God this year is our only goal, how do we do it? This week in my quiet time, a familiar story came up. And God used it to speak to me about our church and us specifically. Look with me at, at Joshua chapter 6. If you brought your Bible with me, we're going to talk about this in a minute. Open up to Joshua chapter 6. This is a story that all of us are familiar with. 
It's, it's the conquest of Jericho. Okay, so to give some context, um, the boys and I were listening to 10-minute Bible hour stuff this morning. Remember, God delivered Israel from Egypt, and he brings them across the desert, which is only supposed to about, take about two weeks, and he finally gets them across the desert, and he sends spies into this land that he promised to Abraham many, many generations ago. And the spies go in and they come back out. And now keep in mind, God just did miraculous things getting them out of Egypt. They saw God kill Pharaoh's army, right? And they go into the, the promised land, they spy it out, and they come back out and they're like, nah, uh-uh. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're not going in there because those people are big. And there's no way we're going to win these, these fights, okay? And so God says, okay, fine. You don't want to go? I'm not going to make you go. For every spy that went in, you're going to spend one year. Or for every day you spent in the promised land spying it out, you're going to spend a year in the desert until a whole generation dies out. So 40 years they spent there. Isn't that tragic? There's something significant about hearing God's voice. But there's something even more uh, uh, intentional and something more important that has to happen. Is that we obey it. It's not just enough to hear it. So look at this story with me. Joshua chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 is what we're going to start with today. So now Jericho was a strongly fortified, or was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. The Lord said to Joshua, look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its best soldiers over to you. So stop right there. I want to point out, that when I read this, I, was, I saw some things I've never seen before. You Maybe you've seen this, but this was new for me. The city was fortified so that no one was entering and leaving. Why was it fortified? What does it say? It says that this place was locked down and the citizens were secure behind the walls that are designed to protect them. They were locked down because they had heard about Israel and the, the battles that they had already won. And so they locked it down. Church, the enemy knows that we are coming. And by enemies, I'm not talking about the people in your life you're supposed to share the gospel with. That's not, that's not your enemy. What I'm saying is that the enemy himself, Satan, knows. I, I was telling the elders, Glenn used to always, he'd come stand right here and say, man, we're right on the threshold, right? Just right on the threshold of moving into where God wants us to be. And I feel that way every year. And every year it's true because we're constantly growing, right? And we're always right on the edge of this new thing that God wants to do in our lives. But church, the enemy knows that we're coming. He is aware of what God has done and wants to do in us. And he is trying to lock us down. But don't be afraid of that because look at what God tells Joshua. He said, look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its best soldiers over to you. Joshua's looking at Jericho. He's looking at the wall. And God's saying, I've already, past tense, handed them over to you. They haven't begun the battle, and God's telling him, I've given you the city, I've given you the king, and I have given you their best soldiers. Church, the victory is already ours, and the battle's not even started yet. So as we're thinking about the things God wants to do in our lives, in the life of our church, in your personal life, what I want you to hear God to say today is, that thing that he's speaking, that promise that he's made, it's already yours. It's already done, if you will simply listen. We're going to talk through some things today that God's spoken for us to do. He's got some action steps for us. But we cannot join God if we are ignoring his battle plan. We need to realize that if we obey what God tells us, he will accomplish his goals in our life. Let's go on in, in verses 3 through 5. Because this is what God tells Joshua. He says, march around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horns trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the ram's horns. When this prolonged blast from the horn and you hear its sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout. The city wall will collapse and the troops will advance, each man straight ahead. Church, next time God tells you to do something that seems a little crazy, think about this story. I cannot think about this story without thinking about the peas up on top of the wall. What are you doing? Okay, go ahead and march. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A little veggie tails throwback? Okay. Church, God's ways are not the world's ways, and that's intentional. Because I guarantee you the people in Jericho were not looking at them going, oh man, I hope my wall don't fall down. Going, what are these guys, what are they doing? They got this big old line, and they're just marching around. 
If Israel had built machines, if they'd put together a battle plan of their own, and they won the victory, the surrounding areas would have heard of Israel, right? They'd have known that they're a great military power. But the stories would have been about Israel and about their military abilities, about their strategic abilities. When you just march around and you blow horns and you shout and a city crumbles, God gets credit for that, not Israel. That didn't happen because Joshua was a good military leader. Our goal is not to make our name for ourselves, church. I'm talking about church growth. We talked about that last week. We're going to talk about some more today. That's not so that we can wave our own banner and say, look how great of a church we are. We talked about this last week, Matthew 5, 16. Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so they may, have, may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. God wants to work in your life. He wants to work in my life for your benefit and for the benefit of others. He's going to ask you to do things that seem odd, but that's so that God can get the glory, not you. That's the point. It's odd to bring up something that God spoke in a business meeting in today's world and culture. But God did that not because he wants those people to think more of me. Because he wants them to think more of him. The fact that he is invested in their lives and they're not even believers yet. Yet he's speaking over their situation. Let's continue on in the story. Verses 6 through 16. It says, So Joshua, son of Nun, summoned the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and have seven priests carry seven ram's horns in front of the Ark of the Lord. He said to the troops, move forward, march around the city, and have the armed men go ahead of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua had spoken to the troops, seven priests carrying seven ram's horns before the Lord moved forward and blew the ram's horns. The ark of the, covenant, the, Lord's, uh, of the Lord's covenant followed them. While the ram's horns were being blown, the armed men went from in front of the priest and blew the ram's horns, and the rear guard went behind the ark. But Joshua had commanded the troops, do not shout or let your voice be heard. Do not let one word come out of your mouth until the time I say, shout. Then you are to shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the city, circling at once. They returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took out the ark of the Lord and the seven priests carrying the seven ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord. While the ram's horns were blowing, the armed men went out in front of them and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. On the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp and they did this for six days. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. And after the seventh time, the priest blew the ram's horns and Joshua said to the troops, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Y'all, this is the weirdest battle plan of all time. Like hands down, silliest thing I've ever heard. You're not going to find this. Like if you go to West Point and you're studying how to be or whatever, that's not in the battle plans, right? Joshua and Israel did what God told them to do and God did what he said he would do. Verse 20, it says, So the troops shouted, the ram's horn sounded, and when they heard the blast of the ram's horn, the troops gave a great shout and the wall collapsed. The troops advanced to the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. Church, we got some particular tasks that God's asked us to do this year. And each of us has to individually decide, are we going to obey what God is calling us to do you have to ask yourself am I going to follow God's plan for me this year if we don't you know what happens nothing we just go on with another year of our life wasted but what happens if we obey we receive the victory that God has already secured on our behalf we receive the promises that God has already made about our life And when God does this through you, when he says what he said he's going to do, the people in your life are going to see his good works and glorify him. Not because you did a good job, you did, but you only did what he said to do. And as a result, they're going to go, man, God is incredible. Look what happens in verse 27. And the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. Now, you've got to ask yourself this question. When it says his fame was spread, whose fame was it? Was it God's or was it Joshua's? It was Joshua's fame. But what about Joshua's fame was spread? He is known like so many before him and after him. The Lord 
was with him. That's why Joshua was famous. He became what we call, in, as you're looking at biblical terms, a type. There's a lot of other types like Joshua who were famous because God was with them. I put some examples there. You can go look them up later. I'm going to rattle them off real quick. Genesis 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man serving in the house of the Egyptian masters. Or Judges 1.19, the Lord was with Judah and enabled them to take possession of the hill country. Or 1 Samuel 3.19, Samuel grew, the Lord was with him and he fulfilled everything Samuel prophesied. Or 1 Kings 1.37, just as the Lord was with the, excuse me, just as the Lord with my Lord the King, so he may be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. Church, God wants you to be the same type of person. He wants you to be known as a person with whom the Lord is with. That when you go to work, when you go to the ballpark, when you go to the gym, wherever it is that you go and you do life, people would look at you and say, the Lord is with them. God's got a work for us to do. And he's only going to do it his way, not ours. This ain't Burger King. Our only goal is to what? To know God. And by knowing God, we are going to make him known. We know him by experience through obedience. If we want to follow God and share him with others, we're going to do that by obeying and telling others what God is doing in our life. I don't know where this story is going with this customer, with the, with the city of Grambling and Bucky's, and I don't know where that's going to end up, but here's what I do know. If I'll stay before the Lord on this and I'll share with these men what God is speaking to me about their situation, they are going to see, get to see the glory of God. And my prayer, my hope is that they would come to a saving faith in God because of what God is doing in their life. And they don't even know him yet. But my prayer is that they're going to connect the dots. As I share with them what God's speaking to me, as I am working on their behalf as the Lord directs, that they are going to see my good works and give the glory to God. Over the next few minutes, I'm going to share with you some things that God's spoken for us to do. Like I said earlier, some of it's similar and some of it's the same as the past. Some is new. But regardless... God has a plan and he wants to accomplish it. This morning, one of my quiet times that I read by David Platt, he said, our lack of words exposes something missing from our hearts. Church, I started this message out by saying that if we don't know God, we can't share him. That's why I'm saying our only priority is to know him. Because if we don't know him, we can't share him. We talked about last week the difference between a real orange and a fake orange and how all of us have most of us in this room were trained from kids how to be a fake orange, how to look the part, how to sound the part. But we're hollow on the inside. I, I'm done with that for myself. And I hope the Lord has brought you to a place where that is true for you as well. As we talk about these action steps, these tools that God has for us this year, the last thing I want you to do is say, okay, I'm going to do that because the pastor said this is something I'm supposed to do. If that's your motivation, stop. The only thing that I want from you this year, the only thing that God wants from you this year is to know Him. These things that we're about to talk about, these are just tools. These are just ways that that stuff happens. But the priority is not this list. The priority is knowing God. And out of that knowledge, out of that experience, out of that obedience, God's going to do this stuff in our lives. So I've got a couple of things I want to call out. First of all, church growth. I don't know that I need to say a whole lot more about that. I said a lot last week and I've said a lot this morning. But God wants his name known in our communities, and he's going to do that through us, through the people in this room. All we got to do is abide. Don't be a fake fruit, right? Actually spend time with God, pray for those in your life, and God is going to speak about the situations that you are in in your life. And he's going to give you words to share and actions to do in the lives of the people around you. As you obey, you're going to learn more about God, and the people in your life are going to see him, right? We're clear on that? Know God. And then he will make himself known through your works. We're going to study the book of Luke. God's desire is for us to know him. I'm really excited about this. Carrie's going to kick this off next week. But Luke was written by a guy who's looking at the story of Jesus and saying, I need to write this down so more people can know. We're going to talk about that more next week. But we're going to encounter the person of Jesus and know him as we meditate on his life. As we look at what's going on historically around the writing and the life of Jesus. As we look at what's going on culturally. 
We're going to learn more about the person of Jesus. As we study those things, as we study these stories and we think about what's going on in the context of the world, God's going to reveal more of himself to us. We're going to learn more about who he is, and that gets me excited because I want to know God more, and I know that you do too. God wants to grow and multiply our communities through our life groups. God put this verse in front of me this week as I was praying specifically about life groups. This is out of Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 and 13. It says, now when he heard this, he said, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And the question that God was asking me is, who am I spending time with? Those who are well or those who are sick? Our life groups are designed to make and grow disciples. And we're growing personally, right, in those life groups. But we're not making any new ones, at least not very many. We need to be intentional about making space for visitors and inviting people to join us as we're studying God's Word, as we're talking about the things that God's doing in our life. I don't know if, you, if you've noticed, but we've had a few people visit over the last few years, but they're not here anymore. And you know why they're not here anymore? It's because they didn't get plugged into a life group. Glenn, you've heard him say this a bunch, and I've said it before, but the life groups are the life of our church. Like what we do on Sunday morning is a celebration of what God's doing outside of this building. I, I read a study recently, and research shows that it takes up to 50 hours for a person to feel connected with someone new. 50 hours. That cannot happen for one hour in here on a Sunday morning. If they come to your life group every week, it's still going to take a half a year for them to feel like they are part of who we are. And the only way that happens is just by being intentional about inviting them and about spending time with them. It's not just going to happen in life groups. It's going to happen outside of that. But I want us to have an understanding of the amount of investment God's calling us to make in people's lives. Next thing I want to talk about is Bible literacy. Y'all probably noticed I've got a Bible up here the last couple of weeks. Um, I did a terrible job today of reading out of this and not my technology, so I'm going to make some changes to that. I realized that as I was reading through chapter 6 of Joshua just now, I was like, I'm reading off the wrong thing. Look, there's nothing wrong with technology. I love it. I'm a software guy. Software gets me going, okay? But there is value in us knowing how to use this, right? Specifically with our kids, right? My kids, I used to, if you, if you got the outline today, used to, all of the scripture was printed in the outline. I'm not doing that anymore. The, the thing's up at the top, and they can go find the scripture reference. There's value in knowing how to use this right here, and, how, and knowing how to be able to sit down and study God's word, right, and not be distracted. Because I, I do a quiet time on my phone, but what happens if I get a text message? My mind's on the text message, and it's off of God. But if I can turn that thing off and put it aside for a minute and just study this, God can speak a lot more to me. This is also going to foster a desire for us to dig into God's word. It's pretty incredible. Okay? Um, church maintenance projects. We're going to start scheduling some work days. The first one I got tentatively scheduled for, for February the 4th. Okay? God's given us a great facility, and there's some stuff that needs to be get done. But I don't know about you, I've, but I've shared this about me. If I don't put something on the calendar, it will not happen. Like Bethany's like, hey, we need to fix the dryer. I'm like, okay. And she's like, did you just put it on your calendar? Because if you didn't, you're not going to do it. Okay, hold on. That's how I have to live, right? That's why we got the church calendar. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago to help us kind of facilitate all that. But we got some stuff around here we need to do. And I'm going to just run through a quick list. One, we got to finish the kitchen, which... Y'all, J.J. has done an incredible job so far, but he needs a little help getting across the finish line. Um, I, I, I was making a joke on myself. I saw a TikTok the other day from uh, Dude Dad. Y'all know who that is? No? Okay. Well, he, he's a comedian guy, on, he and his wife, and he, he made a spoof of um, uh, a construction company called uh, Just a Few More Days. And his wife says, are you going to finish this? Uh, oh, just, we just need a few more days. Okay, we, we got a lot of just a few more days projects at my house, but more importantly here. Um, and we need, just need to work on this. So we're going to finish the kitchen. The back wall of the church on the outside needs some repairs. Uh, we got rotten fascia boards on the side. We got a culvert over that's clogged up. And if we can unclog that, most of the water will drain off the, the, the parking lot like it's supposed to. These are not massive, huge undertakings. They're just little things that God said, hey, we need to, we need to put a little time on this. And so we're going to start scheduling work days where everybody can show up. Uh, many hands makes light work, right? And you, and you might say, well, I, I, I don't know how to um, replace a fascia board. Maybe not, but I bet you know how to hold a paintbrush. 
or a broom or a shop vac. We, there it's plenty. Don't worry about not knowing nothing. We'll teach you something, okay? So don't worry about that. All right, I'm going to keep moving on. Uh, church connections is what I'm calling this. A few months ago, we had when we had the pastor appreciation lunch, a number of people came up to me and were like, man, this is so good because I'm getting to hang out with people that are not in my life group and I never get to hang out with those people. And I just like, we need this connection more. And I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. So here's what I'm going to propose. And we're going to talk through the details of this more later. But um, we're going to do a, um, what did I call this in here? A supper club. That's what I called it. We're going to do a supper club where you can sign up for it. If you don't want to participate, that's fine. Everybody know you hate them. It's not a big deal. No big deal. Um, but you sign up for a supper club and somebody's going to host it. It's going to be similar to a life group except no Bible study. You sign up and say, I want to go and we're going to have somebody that organizes this. Says, okay, these people don't normally, they're not in a life group. So let's stick them together. Y'all go, we're going to go to whoever's house. And, and if it's at Anna's, you're going to eat on China. And if it's at my house, you might eat pizza on a paper plate. But it doesn't matter. The point's not about the food. It's about just spending time with one another. And I'm excited about that because I don't know if y'all know this, but I like to eat. Um, so Supper Club is going to be a, a good thing. And we'll talk more about that later. But we're going to need an organizer. Pray about that. We'll go from there. All right, I'm going to hush now because I've talked too long. And I'm going to give the mic to Bethany and let her come talk about Next Gen Ministry. Oh, Leah's going first? All right, come on up, Leah. Or there, or wherever you're comfortable. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit, obviously, about what God's speaking about worship in this year. And it's not, it's not going to be a huge change, um, but it's something that Bethany and I have been talking about really for a couple years now, and, and we want to step more fully into uh, what God's given us. So it's specifically um, as it pertains to our kids' portion of the worship service each week. So you know already that we have, you know, like a theme for the month, we have a song for the month, um, and and that is intentional, right? Because we want our kids to know that they are every bit as much a part of the worship that happens, the corporate worship that happens, as the adults are. That um, corporate worship, that when we are together as a body, lifting up our voices in praise to Jesus, it's not just about the adults. Um, that they can enter fully into that. So we're, we want intentionally, very intentionally, to, um, we've adopted some things to help facilitate that. And we're going to take a step further this year in that. So um, what we're going to be doing is each month we're going to keep with having a designated song that um, where we're singing about a specific theme. Um, but in the past, what we've done is every single month we've had motions, right? So typically Kara, which we're just so thankful for her, she would come up and she would either um, she would teach us all motions and that would be a way for us all to engage and get involved. And that is an awesome that is an awesome way for to encourage participation, and we will still do that sometimes. But um, we also would like to broaden the opportunities for kids to get involved in that worship song in different ways. So um, recognizing that as God gives, and, and the, the scriptures speak about this, that he's gifted us all individually and very specifically, we want to very intentionally provide space for our kids to learn about like how they can praise God in many different ways. So um, it's not all nailed down yet, but, but Beth, uh, Bethany and I have been talking about maybe it'll be a kid who loves to sing actually coming and singing and leading that song for us, or a couple kids. Maybe it will be um, a dance routine that we have some kids get up and they dance to the song that we're singing to the Lord, and that's teaching them that, hey, maybe they don't love to sing or maybe they don't feel comfortable singing, but they can praise God in other ways. Uh, maybe it'll be something with rhythm one week. Maybe it'll be something with, or one month. Maybe it'll be sign language. We're, we're still working through all of the different ways um, that that can manifest, but it's going to be very, we're going to be very intentional. We're going to be planning ahead. Um, basically, this next week, I'm going to be, we're going to be nailing down what the next six months or so through June will look like, because I think for this to really work the way we want it to, we need to give some advance notice so we can all be thinking. So um, let me talk just a minute about why we're doing this. I just want so that we're all um, united in this because it's not going to work if it's just a band thing. This is something that is uh, that we're all going to be a part of. So um, obviously we want to create room for even more engagement with our children um, and, and pulling them in to, to what we're doing in the worship time. We want to help them identify and praise God through their skills and their strengths that he's given them. We want to be part of helping them with that. 
Um, the other thing is that this is, um, and I think all as adults we've all seen this, so we'll have this theme for the month, and God speaks to us just as much as he speaks to the kids through the song or through the message or it's something that Will is speaking about. So there is, um, for us as adults, scripture speaks about that our, we need the faith of a child. We have so much that we can learn through the way kids praise God through their open-heartedness to the things of God. So, so this is going to be just something that we all do together and participate in um, because we believe it's going to unify us as a body. So how is it going to look? So what, what I'm going to do is um, sometime in the next week or so, I will post on our Facebook page a list. It'll be basically a playlist that has the songs that we're doing uh, for this first half of the year, and there'll be a corresponding list that, that lists the activity, the worship activity that we're going to use for that particular month. And here's where our families are so important um, because meaningful, spirit-filled public worship flows out of personal devotion and personal experience with God. And this is an incredible opportunity on the family level for uh, parents to train their kids about what sincere, genuine worship looks like. And train your kids about, uh, talk to them about, hey, let's pray. Like, which of these things do you feel like God is drawing you to? Which of these things are a way that you would like to praise God and help our body, help lead our body to praise God? And um, so it's, it is a training them for what like humble servant leadership looks like by, by bringing them um, to, to understand that what happens up here is not a performance. Um, that what happens up here is it's a gift Right? It's our devotion to Jesus. It's a, it is um, something that we do out of love for our brothers and sisters to help them worship and out of love for Jesus to give him praise. Um, so this, I, I think if there is, if I'd like to maybe uh, focus on what I think is the most important component, um, it's parents, you, you getting behind this and supporting this and you praying about, God, what does this look like for our family? God, how can we help our kids um, hear from you, teach them to hear from you? And then when they hear, when they feel like, oh man, I, I wanna get involved in worship in this way, then you be part of that with them. You help them learn that. You, you know, bring them to practice on Sunday morning a little early so that they feel comfortable. Um, but it is something, uh, Lord willing, that is going to um, really enrich your family worship time, whatever that looks like, however God leads in that. Um, and it's going to hopefully enrich the life of our church. And really, um, I'm so excited to see how it draws our kids deeper into their own personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, that they know God can speak to them and through them. Um, so to them in a personal level and then in a corporate level, he, on a corporate level, he's gonna use them to speak to our body. So that's what, um, that's what we're gonna be doing this month really and following um, and really excited about it. So I'll turn it over to Bethany now if she has anything to add on that regard. She'll, I don't know, fill in any gaps I left. <laughs> Or I can take a mic up there, one or the other. I have no idea what you just said. I was being smart. I was surprised. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, my bad. All right. So, yeah, I'll just um, uh, reiterate something that Leah, I'm pretty sure, said. Um, but uh, the, the, the worship... The kids participating in worship, um, I think maybe you had said this, but uh, statistically, um, it's many, many studies have shown over the last uh, several decades, we've learned as the church that um, if our kids are not participating in the corporate worship of the church, um, that as they grow older and become adults, statistically the chances of them remaining or plugging back into another body of believers just drops dramatically um, because uh, 
if they're growing up doing only kids stuff that's separate from the rest of the body of the church, once they become adults, the thing that they're used to having is no longer there for them. There's suddenly this like different adult worship service that is completely foreign to them and intimidating. And we don't want worship to feel separate, foreign, intimidating, none of that. Um, so, so the other thing that I wanted to uh, add to what Will said uh, is the thing about using our Bibles. Um, I did not in, intend to bring the largest Bible I own today, but it, it, it is. I was not trying to set that kind of example. <laughs> um, but um, so I know that we as adults are thinking, well, my kids see me read my Bible because I pull up my phone like in church or when I'm at home and they see me reading my Bible on my phone. But the problem is the majority of our kids in here don't have phones, especially the younger that they get. They don't have phones. They don't have access to that. So even though we think that we are setting an example and living out our faith in front of them, we're still leaving this gap because they don't have access to that faith. They don't have access to that Bible on a piece of technology, but they do have access to paper. And so we want to make this paper not intimidating, not foreign. We want it to be something that like, oh, I know what that is. I know how to use it. I know there's an Old Testament and a New Testament, and I know how to go to the table of contents and find the book of the Bible that the pastor is preaching out of. Again, because when they become adults, we want them to be able to plug into another body of believers and not feel intimidated or othered because they don't know how to find something in their Bible, even if they later on as adults decide or older kids, you know, once they have their phones decide, hey, I want to use my Bible on my phone. That's great. But because we gave them the tools to be able to understand what this is and understand how this translates into that piece of technology that they've got, even using the Bible on their phones becomes less intimidating. Okay. Um, usually during this time period, I go into um, all of our, our kids and teens ministry values, but I'm not going to go into all of that today. But I want you to know that they boil down to this. We want every child and teen and their parents who come in contact with our church to do one of these two things. We want them to either grow toward a relationship with God, or we want them to grow in their relationship with God. Every single thing that we do is focused on one of those two things. Uh, Kyle kicked off the year with the teens teaching on uh, the book of Nehemiah, and I thought that was pretty cool because it's been in my devotions here lately, and it got me thinking. Nehemiah's building or rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem is a great visual illustration of the task of our church today, and I want to share just a piece of that story. So the background info is that in 586 BC, long, long, long time ago, Jerusalem was conquered, and the city and the temple were destroyed, and God's people were exiled. But over time, God's people began to return to Jerusalem, but much of the city was in ruins. So God called Nehemiah to oversee the rebuilding of the wall of the city. The problem was this is a humongous task. This is a wall around an entire city that protects the city. This is not something that would be easy to accomplish. Um, and the Jews were no longer this huge, wealthy nation that they had once been, like what uh, Will was talking about. This, his story uh, that he shared from Joshua and Jericho uh, happened way, way, way before all of, all of this happened. So, um, so yeah, they were no longer the huge, wealthy nation that they had once been, and they were going to have to rely on the resources that God gave them. The thing is, the main resource that God really gave them was each other. So each person worked on a portion of this huge task, and together they were successful in restoring the wall of Jerusalem. And let me see. So in chapter 3, let me get this out. In chapter 3, uh, Scripture records their names and the portions of the wall that they worked on. And I'm just going to read a little chunk of it. I didn't give it to Anna to put it on the screen. So I'll give you a second if you want to look it up on your phone. It's Nehemiah. Chapter 3, Nehemiah is N-E-H-E-M-I-A-H, Nehemiah chapter 3, verses, I'm just going to do 6 through 12. All right, uh, also, there are like 5 million names in this, so get ready. Here we go. 
The Jeshana Gate was repaired by Joada, son of Paseah, and Meshulam, son of Besodea. They laid its beams and it put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Melatiah of Gibeon, and Jadon of Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. Uziel, son of Harahiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Raphiah, son of Hur, ruler of a, half of a half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section. Adjoining this, Jediah, son of Harumath, made repairs opposite his house, and Hattush, son of Hashabniah, made repairs next to him. Malkijah, son of Harim, and Hashub, son of Pahath Moab, repaired the, uh, another section and the Tower of the Ovens. Shalom, son of Halahesh, ruler of a half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. And then it goes on and on for the, the next chapter. It lists lots of names and the exact portion of the wall that people worked on. And so here's what I want to, us to notice about this. Just as the people of Jerusalem were called to restore the, the wall, we are also called to a huge task right here in our church and in our neighborhood where God has brought us. We are called to restore lost souls to a relationship with the God who made them and loves them. And just like the people of Jerusalem, the main resource that God has given us is each other. This is all we really got. This passage points out that every single one of us is needed. Each person was given a different and important task to do, and we know that that was important because their names are recorded right here in Scripture. And 2,500 years later, we're still reading their names and the exact little task that they did. So God sees you, and he values what you do when you're doing the thing that God has called you to do. And it might feel like something insignificant or strange, like what Will was saying, but it's an important part of the huge work that God is accomplishing in his kingdom. Another interesting thing that we see in this passage is that every single one of them were volunteers. There is not one single mention of somebody who is a professional builder by trade. But what it does mention is that they were goldsmiths, they were merchants, they were perfume makers, they were nobles, and there was even people that you wouldn't expect to be working in construction. There were Shalom's daughters working in construction. So each person did the thing that they were called to do. They were not professionals in this, but they did what God set out for them to do, and together they accomplished a part of God's huge plan to restore the wall of Jerusalem and restore his people to himself. So here's the vision for this year. Let's be that. Let's be that kind of church. Let's be the body of Christ and know that we can rely on each other to accomplish the work together that God has called us to do in leading our kids and teens to know God and to grow in their relationship with God, and in leading the kids and teens of this neighborhood to know God and grow in their relationship with God, and in leading their parents to know God and grow in their relationship with God. Y'all, there are 96 households in this neighborhood. There's only about a dozen households in this church. This is us. This is, this is it, you guys. Last year, we had 130 different individual kids and teens come through the ministries of this church. That is a huge task. When you think about the fact that it's, it's just us, you guys, that is a huge task that God has given us. That's a huge task that God did through us last year. And we had a similar, we had 139 last, the two, you know, last year, whatever, 2021. Um, and so we know that God is calling us to something just as huge this year in 2023. But I am amazed when I watch how God uses us and works through us. And I want to encourage each one of you 
It's really common for ministry leaders to struggle to find volunteers, and often you hear people say something like, well, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, and that is not the case here. Every single person in this body is involved in the ministries of this church in some way, whether you're doing the actual hands-on work or you're tithing to help financially support the ministries, because y'all, it costs a lot to do ministry. We spend 50 50 bucks a week in food, just having food for our kids, or whether you're spending your time in prayer, praying for the specific work that God has called others to do, that is hugely important. So every single one of you is involved in some way. And I want you to know that you are such a rare, amazing group of God's hands and feet. So let's keep going. Let's put our hands and feet to the task that God has called us to do and focus on what the the exact thing is that he wants us as individuals to do throughout the year because God has a huge task that he is calling our church to do this year and for the many years that he has us here. So all God's people said, amen. amen. Yeah, give them a round of applause. That's awesome. Was that you, Dwayne? Because I was going to ask for that anyway. So you, Holy Spirit's in too. Man, y'all, I'm so thankful for for Bethany and Leah and the ministry of all of you guys. Um, Y'all are incredible. Absolutely incredible. And it's only going to get better if we will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All of these things will be added, right? Know him, make him known. That's that's it. That's not hard. It's not hard to know God. And if you struggle with that, if you're like, well, I tried doing the devotional time and it just don't work for me, come holler at me. I'm not an expert, but I've been doing it for a few minutes. We'll help you figure that out, okay? We can't do any of this in any way that is good or beneficial to anybody if we're doing it in our own ability. I'm so thankful for you guys. And I'm excited about doing this work together. God's got great things planned for us this year. And the biggest one is just get to know him better than we already do. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this church body, for the leaders that you've called here, for the lay people that you've called to ministry. God, I ask that you would refine for each of us as we're spending time with you the specific task, the parts of the wall that you have called us to work on. Father, wherever we are in life, wherever we are in our relationship with you, God, you have already made us useful because it's you working and not us. Father, we all desire in our hearts to do good work so that people may see your glory. God, as we we close out in worship today, I ask that you would center our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits around this idea that you are greater than anything else we could seek in this world. Father, as we begin this next week, Father, I ask that you'd give us moments with you that define our days, that, that bring us to a point of where we feel like we're going to explode if we don't tell people about what you are doing in our lives. But God, only you can do that in us. God, draw us to yourself. Make us more like you. Teach us to love and to see the world the way that you do. Jesus, we ask these things. We beg these things in your name. Amen.